0: It's good to be with you guys. A couple of things I want to make mention of. We're going to jump into uh, our uh, new series on uh, the life of Peter and uh, who is this guy and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, a couple of things to make mention of: uh, uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, kids going to kids camp this week. Twenty something of them going to camp this week. So keep them in your prayers this week. Keep Dave and his volunteers in your prayers this week and. Uh, Uh, We had 50-something students go to camp this past week, uh, and I just want to say thank you to all the folks that uh, did go with them, were a part of that. Thank you so much for serving uh, us, our families, our students, Um, you know, just uh, amazing. I've heard great things about uh, camp, had three that went, got two that's going this week. If we come up with a camp that would take all seven at once, (laughs) we've got to figure out that camp. So, but uh, anyway, no, we're we're excited uh, about all those things. Also, just to throw this out there too, uh, if you want to kind of cruise the parking lot, if you didn't make it over this way this morning, you'll notice a big a big white thing on wheels out here uh, that uh, is new to us. We uh, we bought a bus this week. So, uh, yep, that's pretty pretty amazing. Another piece of the puzzle finally falls into place and. Uh, uh, if you go by and look at it, it's a little dirty, but uh, just know it's uh, we. Uh, they're not done with it, uh, but they are letting us have it. That's well, technically ours anyway, but uh, they're letting us take it uh, so that Dave can take uh, our kids to camp. We we kind of got in a we kind of got in a position here right toward <laughs> this timing, and and really because of the big give and people giving uh, at the big give, uh, the way that they did, allowing us to have some money that we weren't expecting to have. Uh, uh, really to go toward a bus now. And the question became, are we going to rent a bus to take these kids to camp? Or could we put that money toward just going ahead and buying a bus? And so we just started to pursue that. And we've been per- kind of pursuing that for several weeks. Uh, it's not been easy to figure that out. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but uh, Dave spent a lot of time doing a lot of legwork. And many other guys in the church, I've drug guys, out with me to look at some some buses. We've had some little field trips if you will to interesting parts of town and doing all kinds of stuff but uh, uh, we've had a good time and uh, I've, I've been pretty frustrated a few times to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm finally glad to uh, get this here but anyway they're going to take it back after camp this week uh, and repaint it and reseal it and we'll probably have our name put on it and all that good stuff. So uh, maybe we, may we get like a picture of of J. Penny and Dave put on it or something. You know, you know that'd, be, that'd be good, right? That'd scare some people away. Um, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's jump in. So if you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and get it out and uh, go to uh, the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will be glad to get you one. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can, uh, if you don't own it, you can, uh, if you don't own one, you can take that. We'd love, we'd love for you to take it and consider it a gift. And use it, but I uh, would love for you to follow along. Otherwise, um, and uh, I-, I love teaching about things uh, that are uh, in the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—if you're not familiar—are known as the Gospels, and they are you know four accounts of uh, the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, and uh, you know, with that being said, uh, we uh, you know what you see is you see different again I mean, just like if you had four friends tell about your life, all four of those friends are going to tell different things about your life, uh, you know, and so, uh, and, and, and even the same stories, you know, may vary a little bit because of the way maybe they understood it or heard it or, uh, you know, maybe one has more detail than the other, and so uh, I, love, I love getting to teach uh, through the Gospels because I love getting to look at the different accounts of the same stories and things like that. We've got a little bit of that going on this morning. Uh, with this uh, passage that we're studying on Peter, uh, this passage we're studying on Peter, uh, you know, and and in general, you know, I I, I just I'm, I've always gravitated to the stories of Peter because I think that we find ourselves in him, you know, we we see ourselves in him. We see uh, his struggles. Here's this guy who, who desperately loves the Lord, and at the same time, he struggles, you know, struggles to do the right thing sometimes, really you know just kind of screws things up a lot uh you know and so uh you know this 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 guy this this who's a fisherman uh you know is called to c- come be not just one of the disciples but one of like the inner three if you will even and uh you know there's a lot of things about Peter that he gets he gets to experience because of being part of the inner three and we'll get to that later in the series uh, but there's a lot of things he gets to experience that even the other disciples don't get to experience, and even other people don't get to experience. And yet, at the same time, he still has these moments where, from the outside looking in, we would go, "We want to like shake him and go, Peter, dude, wake, wake up! Like it's Jesus. You know, like why, why aren't you trusting him right now? Why would you do that right now? You know." But the truth is, it's just, it's just like us, you know. And uh, and we we all struggle in these in all these different ways. And so um, anyway, we we uh, I'm looking forward to getting a study through this and get to talk through this. So really, kind of starting out, you know, here is you know the very beginning of where we see Peter and and uh, Jesus kind of coming together. Um, and uh, we see him with his brother Andrew. And and this is Simon Peter. You know, this is. Uh, um, you know, I know sometimes that stuff kind of gets uh, confusing to us uh, in Scripture where, you know, it's like, oh, we got, you know, double names. And sometimes I call them by this name and sometimes they call them by that name. and uh, But Simon Peter is is who we're zoning in on here. And so uh, as we're looking at this, I want to I want to go ahead and jump in Matthew chapter four. And in verse 18 of Matthew chapter four, we have uh, the beginning of of uh, Jesus and Peter kind of coming together. I feel like we got lights that are doing things. I'm not sure what the lights are doing, but if we can get them on, that'd be good because I know people are needing to see. Um, but, uh, and maybe just stuff is done. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says this. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. This is Jesus. Jesus saw two brothers. He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So this, this embarks on this journey of, of really an understanding of so many things, not just about Peter, but honestly about us. I mean, this is this is the beginning of you know, this is where we're literally seeing Jesus beginning ministry, about to you know, kind of go on tour, if you will, and uh, he's putting the road crew together, known as the disciples, and all these guys, uh, you know, kind of coming from different walks of life, uh, but many of them fishermen, and you know, specifically here with Peter and his brother Andrew, Jesus finds them. They're doing their thing, and you know, he walks up and says, "Hey." Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. So we're going to look at this statement here a little more in just a few minutes. But the idea here is, you know, that Jesus is taking guys that are used to doing a thing, and he's turning that to use the idea of doing that thing to do another thing, which is to reach men, reach people. And so as he's leading the charge of this... You know this is super important to the call of Peter's life. Uh, you know they obviously respond well. You know real quick, I, I immediately ask questions like, why? How? Why did they follow? Like why were they so quick to respond? Why were they so quick to just go after Jesus? Like what? What was the deal? Like did they did they realize right then that he was Lord? Well, we'll find out more again from another account in one of the other gospels that I think helps explain some of that. But before we get to that. Um, you know, I think that we go on down just a little bit further in the story, and now we're going to jump, and I really just wanted to kind of use some of the other Gospels. We could have stayed in Matthew, but I'm, I'm making it hard on you. Uh, we're going to jump to Mark chapter 1, and in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, we see the story is continuing, okay, but not very far. We haven't gotten very far into this gathering of Peter and Jesus, okay? And we have this, and it says, and immediately he left the synagogue, and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. He being Jesus, okay, uh, left left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. So now Jesus is going to Simon and Andrew's house, like with them. Okay, he's not like there at the house. No, he's going with them to their house, uh, and with James and John. We're throwing these guys in here. We're who I think technically we're going to figure out later that they're all kind of part. They were partners. Uh, together, probably in their fishery. And then in verse 30, it says, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And in fact, if you read it in Luke 4, 38, this is not on the screen, uh, it says, and they appealed to him on her behalf. So what we see is we see that the brothers, uh, Simon, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew are, you know, asking Jesus to do something about, you know, this situation with their mother, with their mother in law, uh, Simon's mother in law. And so, you know, we've got, we've got this in this situation. They're saying, Hey, Jesus, can you do something? And in verse 31, it goes on right here in Mark 1. It says, And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So, and then the story doesn't stop, because then what happens is, so Jesus has now healed his, Peter's mother-in-law, and then it says in verse 32, that evening at sundown they brought to him, they, I'm assuming being the people in the house, because they're the only ones that know what's going on at this point, uh, but that evening at sundown they brought to him, all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you just think about this. Like, okay, so we're real quick into... The friendship, if you want to call it that, of uh, you know, Peter and Jesus, and then uh, pretty quick into that, you know, where there's been, you know, Jesus has gone in the synagogue, he's done a little teaching, you know, he's been doing his thing, and then he ends up, uh, you know, wanting to go to Peter and Andrew's house, and when he gets there, they find the mother in law who's sick now you know, of course, Jesus, we know, we know on the backside, because of all that we know about Jesus, we know Jesus is going to see somebody that's sick. It's like, oh, cool. I'll, you know, I'll heal him, And, you know, this will bring glory to, to the father and that sort of thing. And so, of course, Jesus does this. Um, you know, I think you could insert like five mother-in-law jokes here really easily. Uh, but the truth is, is that we see even just from Luke's account that they appealed to him on her behalf. They appealed to him on her behalf. And, you know, and that brings to me, that, that really just kind of hits me in a way of, of me asking myself the question like, what do I not appeal to the Lord about that I should in life? Not just for myself, but for other people. What am I not appealing to God? What am I not asking God? God, would you intervene in that person's life and do this? I'm ministering to a family today that I, I really don't know, but doing a funeral for them, you can pray for me about this. Um, and uh, man, it's a, it's a tough situation, you know? And, I, and I've just found myself just having to go, Lord, I don't know if they know you, but I pray... I pray that you would do something with this. I pray that there's a reason that I'm involved in this, in this way to be a part of their lives for this moment, uh, that you would be glorified, that they might know you, they may trust in you even in this moment. Um, you know, I think for so many of us, I think, I think we probably all find ourselves realizing that, you know, we don't ask the Lord things that we could a lot of times. I mean, He, he loves to do great things. He loves to see that bus in the parking lot. He knows what that means. He loves. He loves to see someone healed. He loves to work and mend a marriage. He loves all of these things. He loves to do the miracles, the work that he does that only he can do. And I think because for so many of us, we're just kind of like, you know, standoffish with the idea of just, oh, well, you know, God doesn't work like that. He does work like that. He does work like that. This is not just a Bible times Jesus that we know. it's the same Jesus, right? You know? And he loves for us to call out to him and ask for him to intervene in these situations in these people's lives. and here they appeal to him on her behalf, appealed to him on her behalf, and he turns around and heals. The mother-in-law heals the mother-in-law. And that evening, this, this, so then this leads to other things, right? So then that evening, they bring other people that they know who are sick and are, says, are oppressed by demons. Now, real quick, why, why do we think that they did that? Well, because, you know, once you've got a friend who's really good at something, you're like, uh, well, you know, you know, everybody's got like that friend that they think can fix anything. You know who I'm talking about? You know, you've got one of those people maybe in your life where you grew up thinking that person, they could do anything. And so, like, anything's going on. You know, it's so funny because I have people that that hear me talk about, like, my love for cars and stuff, you know. And uh, and so randomly, people will call me sometimes and be like, hey, uh, I'm looking at this car. Could you maybe give me some ideas of what to look for? I was like, well, is it running? You know, and... Uh, you know, they're like, well, I'll just you know, I know you, you know, like you're a specialist. I'm like, not. You got you got me mixed up. Like, I love cars. I don't consider myself a specialist at like knowing how to work, work on especially new cars. Like, I gave that up a long time ago. Like, there's plenty of people in the world that that's their thing and they can have it. My wrenches don't even fit those cars. Uh, you know, and so, but. uh but yeah, you know, and and I think I think that that's what we see here is we see that these young, you know, new if you will disciples are suddenly realizing this guy that we're with, he can do anything. He can heal people. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. Let's who uh well, I know? I know you know, Billy Bob down the street, he's, you know, he's always had a limp. Let's see if we can fix that, you know. And so then they're just bringing people in left and right. And the next thing you know, what happens? The whole town is there. The whole town. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And I think to myself, you know, what would this have been like to have been one of these disciples? What would it have been like to have been one of these guys? Why did Jesus call fishermen? Why would he do that? In fact, if you didn't ever realize it, actually seven of the original 12 disciples were fishermen. Over half of the guys that he would call to come follow him to do all this work we're fishermen, isn't that crazy? I think that's crazy. And and if you think about that, and I, and I think we do need to think about it. I think real quick, we you know we immediately were like, oh, fishermen. On some of you are like, oh, that's right, I'm a fisherman. He might call me, you know, you know. Well, guess what? He has. Okay, but that we'll get to that a little later. Uh, th- this isn't like the fishermen that I think so many of us like might be real quick to jump to. These are not like today's bass fishing tournament fishermen. Okay and although we love those guys, we do, we love those guys, uh, you know, Peter and the boys weren't picking up sweat wicking shirts at Bass Pro, okay, this is more of like a, maybe deadliest catch, you know, wicked tuna, uh, you know, in fact, we, it's so, so funny, we, we got to spend a couple days away this week, uh, Aaron and I did, which never happens, it was so awesome, uh, to get to do that, um, and uh, one of the things that uh, you know happened, uh, you know, while we were, while we were away, is, is we ended up watching TV in the hotel room for a little while. And it's so funny because we had gone to uh, the Wahlburgers restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? It's like uh, Mark Wahlberg and Donnie Wahlberg and the brothers. They've got to, they got these restaurants around, and uh, and so uh, we we'd never been to one. We ate hamburgers. It was great. Went back while we were there, we were, you know, they've got all these, like, references to movies and things that the different brothers have been a part of. One of them is The Perfect Storm, which uh, Marky Mark's in, Mark Wahlberg, of course. You know, say hello to your mother for me. So, um, but, you know, uh, we get back to the hotel, and I mean, literally, like, within 10 minutes of being back at the hotel, I turned the TV on. the first time I turned the TV on since we'd been there, and uh, we hadn't spent a whole lot of time in the room. And I, I turned the TV on, and the perfect storm is on. This movie that we were just, we were just talking about, and she was trying to remember it. I was like, oh, you can remember, you know, it's got George Clooney, it's all, you know. And these guys, I mean, they're like, they're rough, okay? They're rough, they're spending long periods of time away, you know, from their families. They're going out into these crazy storms to fish all this. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're really fishing for like Marlin and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, but just just this, you know, crazy, crazy deal. And, and I got to thinking, this is, this is more like the fishermen that I think that Jesus was bringing along. You know, of course, I don't know how many tournaments they were having back then either, but I th- I'm pretty sure that this is more like the kind of fishermen that, you know, these guys are living, they're living this, right? It's their life and not, not like life, like they dream about it while they're working. It is their work, you know? Like, you know, when they get done with work, they want to be done with that. You know, not like, oh, I can't wait to go, you know, uh, throw another line in the water. You know, these guys are rough. And there's some reasons why, there's some reasons why. In fact, I've heard people talk about this over the years. There's all these reasons why I think that Jesus called fishermen to come be disciples. But I want to give you some of those reasons. There's like a million lists out there of this. I'm giving you one that's kind of a modified moan, you know, mixed between a few others or whatever. But uh, the first one was that they're willing to work hard. Willing to work hard. You know, following Jesus can be hard work. There's times to this where, you know, it'd be real easy, you know, if if we don't like hard work, if we don't like getting our hands dirty, if we don't like it taking time, then we could just go, ah, you know, I don't want to fool with it, you know these guys understood hard work. Understood that it's not easy to do something. That it takes dedication. That there's going to be moments that you want to give up. There's going to be moments that, you know, the ministry that God has called you to that you're going to be like, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't feel like doing it anymore. I'm too busy. I'm too this, I'm too that. Secondly, I think, because again, in this situation, this isn't like a, lone wolf fisherman situation Uh, these are guys who are who are willing and 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 used to working together they're used to being a part of a team jesus is literally going to build his church on these guys literally you know and the understanding that we have as the body of christ as the bride of christ is that You know, that we are a team together, working as a team together, willing to take hits for one another, willing to to, uh, help one another, lift one another up, be there for one another, encourage one another. And like most teams, that there would be a captain. There would be somebody who's leading the charge. And with that being Jesus, that he knew that, you know, if he you know, called them to something that they were used to taking orders. They were used to, you know, being led and going in a direction and all of these things. And that they would be courageous. They would be courageous. There's some deadliest catch kind of stuff there for you, that there'd be moments where storms hit in life, you know. And I very much was thinking about that movie as I was thinking about that piece of this and that they were smart, You know, that they're smart guys that they know not just how to do a job, but they know like what tools to use when doing it, where to go, how to get it done. Not not giving up on it, but keep trying new things until something works. But above all of that, you know, he wasn't calling them so that he could make sure that, you know, he could... Live the rest of his life on a tilapia diet he was calling them because he wanted them to be fishers of men and the truth is is that we're still called to be fishers of men now we're going to talk a little more about that in a few minutes i want to go ahead and jump to luke chapter five luke chapter five and this is another instance of what we're talking about in peter's life uh, same passage, so to speak. Now, there's some people that have actually argued that this passage isn't technically the same passage, that it's not, you know, Luke just having a little bit different understanding of what went down that day, but that it was a passage that, that this may have happened even after the mother-in-law was healed. Either way, I don't think it matters. I think it's still good for us to see. Uh, maybe, maybe it is that, and maybe it's a situation where uh, they had left to follow Jesus, but maybe they hadn't, like, left left yet. Uh, but we're getting there if that's not the case. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets, let let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed as the first passage that we studied, the same, you know, the same story. And there's a few reasons why, and it doesn't really matter, but I think there's several things that point to that direction. Um, I think Luke had more information, maybe, than the other folks that were writing. Uh, or the other folks were just not, they didn't feel the details needed to be shared about some of these things. But what we've got here is we've got this amazing picture of Jesus. You know Jesus walking into this situation. He's been teaching some people, uh, which also follows kind of you know where he you know been before. Uh, and then uh, he uh, walks up, and all these boats are in. Everybody's kind of come in from fishing for the day, and he's still talking to people. And he steps into one of these boats, which just so happens to be Peter's boat, right? Just so happens to step into Peter's boat and says, "Hey, brother." Can we move this thing on out in the water a little bit? That'd be great. And Peter's like, sure. And so they float themselves on out, and uh, Jesus begins to speak. He's speaking kind of a, you know, imagine, you know, I'm in a boat, and, you know, you guys aren't very far away just on shore, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that opportunity to talk to people over water, uh, but your voice does kind of carry and that kind of thing, too. I always get to experience this when we do uh, our uh, baptism down at the dam, our plunge baptisms. And so, um, you know, this is, uh, is kind of what we've got is we've got Jesus teaching now from this boat to the people on the land. And then he's finished speaking, it says in verse four, and he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets, let down your nets for a catch. And of course, Simon answers back, Peter answers back, same guy, Simon Peter uh, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And so they do this. They let down the nets. And they in, it says they enclose a large number of fish, so much so that the nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat. And this is why I think that uh, I see uh, the, other, uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John, as being partners probably to Peter and Andrew in a fishery possibly, uh, literally. It says they signaled to their partners in, or in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So now they're, you know, they've got so many fish, they couldn't get any fish, and Jesus is like, oh, I'll just let down your nets, you're going to get some fish, you know, it'll be good. And uh, you know, now it's not just you know, they've got so many fish that they can't handle. they literally got so many fish that they in another boat can't handle to the point that both boats are starting to sink. Somewhere in the midst of all this. And we, of course, we love stories like this, right? We, we love to get to hear what these things that Jesus did and how he connected with people and so on and so forth. But, but really where the rubber hits the road is where we realize that Peter, in this moment is realizing this man is of God. And in that moment, all all of the sin in his life rushes to the forefront of his mind. And in his mind, he's thinking, I can't even be near this guy. This guy This guy needs to cast me away. From him. In verse 8 we have, it says, But when Simon Peter saw it, it, what? The work of the Lord. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Sin makes us feel that way, doesn't it? Sin makes us feel... Like, God should never love me again. He should never love me like that. I don't deserve it. And the truth is, we don't deserve Jesus. We know that. We don't deserve His grace and mercy. But listen, the truth is, is that He wants to give it no matter. He loves us. He cares for us. He created us. He has a plan for us. Right? You know, and I I think for... Us to jump on the boat of, you know, well, God could never love me because I've done something so bad. You know, listen, (laughs) you don't know this God. You don't know Jesus. He went to a cross and gave his life and died for literally everyone who would believe in him, trust in him, put their faith in him to be their Savior. He wants to do that for you. If he's not, if you have, if you haven't allowed him to do that in your life, I'm here today to tell you he wants to do it for you. He wants to save you today. He wants to change your life today forever. Right? Peter's response, I think is, uh, you know, I think it's awesome. Uh, I think it's where. I think it's that point that we come to. Everyone comes to this point at some point in time where when they realize they're not perfect and they are with sin and that sin deserves death and that Jesus paid the price of death for us on our behalf, paid the ransom that we could believe, that we could be saved, that we could be forgiven, that it's at that moment in our lives where we feel like Simon Peter is, And we feel like, you know, just falling down and saying, God, you just should just run the other way from me. Cast me out of even your presence. I don't even deserve you. And God's just there loving us. Jesus is just there loving us. What's Jesus do? What's Jesus do in the story? It says, for all were with him who were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Okay, And Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Okay, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything followed him. They left everything and followed him. I don't know how much you know about fishermen, but to get a fisherman, whether they do it for sport or they do it for a job, to get them to leave their tackle box, much less their nets and their boats, is doing something. Jesus knew that them being fishermen would be this huge ally to them doing the work of the Lord. He knew it. He knew it without a doubt. He knew that even though they felt like they weren't worthy, that he could show them that he had a plan. And he knew that all of those things, that the hard work piece of that, of being a fisherman, would equal dedication and sticking to it when the job mattered the most. I, th- I see I see this so many times with believers who just, you know, they 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 they've been maybe they've been serving for a long time in some way and they get to a certain place with their, you know, serving the Lord. Maybe it's in their local church, maybe it's in some other way. And listen, God does change things up for us from time to time. And we know that. Uh, but but I see so many people from time to time they just kind of fizzle out. And it's like, why are, they, why are they fizzling out right now? Why do they want to quit this right now? You know? And I think, I think a lot of times we, just, we, we begin to lose sight of why we did things to begin with. You know? And, and the truth is, is we, we have to re-engage and, and ask the Lord, God, what are you calling us to? What are you leading us to? Secondly, I think that being a part of of the team that is the local church playing your position, so to speak, that we see talked about in Corinthians being that part of the body, if you will. That whole working together thing, again, as a fisherman, he knew. They're they're made for this. They're ready for this. The whole idea of being able to take orders from a captain that they would go whenever he called them to go, wherever God called them to go, and that he could lead them, that they could be led. He knew that they would take the courage that it would take to allow God to be in control. Think about that for just a minute. You know, I think so many times for us, I think when we hear the word courage, we're like thinking like we need to go pump some iron and like be ready to get some courage going in us today. You know, I'm going to, you know, kind of buck up to, you know, get ready for this thing that's in front of me. And the truth is, it's really, it's about letting God take the fear that we have and just blindly going. And he calls us that way a lot. And he was calling them that way. And they went. It's crazy when you think about it. They're leaving their livelihoods. They have families. You know, I was reminded as I was reading through this this week, you know, not, not only did Jesus heal uh, Peter's mother-in-law, Peter had a family. And now he's going to follow Jesus. What's that look like? How crazy is that? He knew that they would be smart enough to use the wisdom that God had given them to do the work to follow Him. We need to hear this today. We, you and I, are fishers of men. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Was with some of the folks in our church this week for something kind of outside of church stuff and whatever, some sports-related things, and got to meet some families, you know, through some of those things, and just listen and, you know, heard some interesting, some crazy conversations, to be honest with you. And, but in the whole grand scheme of it, I saw these two families in our church that really are the ones that are a part of this thing, this unit, team and whatever with these kids. And, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, God has put them in these people's lives, that these people might know Jesus. That's all I could think about. We're called as fishers of men. John Bloom says this, says there's three things about being fishers of men. Jesus calls us in our weaknesses. So don't look for it to be everything that you're good at, okay? He calls us in our weaknesses. It doesn't take great faith to drop nets. It just takes being willing, right? And Jesus provides the fish. We don't have to look that hard. Most of them are already there. Many of them are a part of our lives. Maybe they're going to be a part of something new that we end up in like a sports team thing or something else. But they left everything to follow Jesus. And they had good reason. The captain was the Lord of all creation. Here's you know what I th- here's what I think's funny. Peter, these other guys, they thought, they thought this was their specialty, right? They thought that they knew how to fish. Jesus was about to show them different. I think that that translates to us like this. I think we, I think you and I, think that we know how to live our lives. And I think Jesus wants to show us what it really looks like to live our lives. I'm talking about on an extreme level, following Him. What's that look like in our lives? Are we willing to pray those prayers and ask God, God, lead me in what it looks like to follow You blindly wherever You want me to go? Jesus will show us how it's done if we put our faith and we put our trust in Him. So the question today is, Peter, who is this guy? Who is this? You know, yeah, he's a fisherman, yeah, he becomes one of the three. He's, yeah, he's all the. But you know what, like you and me at the end of the day, he's a sinner. He's a sinner that once presented with the work of Jesus is on his knees, begging Jesus to to just go away from him just make me go away. He doesn't even tell Jesus to go away. He says, make me go away. Right? He says, you know, saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Peter realized that there was something far greater than himself in that moment and that he needed it in his life. And it was no longer just to be a fisherman, but to be a fisher of men. And today for us, I think we can be reminded too that just like Peter, we're sinners. And we need a Savior. We need to trust in Him. And for those of us that are believers, I think we seriously should be praying about and asking God, show me what it looks like to be a fisher of men in my life and in the lives of those people around me. Let's pray together. God, we come to You. God, I just pray for anyone, Lord, that has never trusted in You to be their Savior. I pray for them right now. God, that they would trust You today. God, I pray that they would be willing to call out to You today and ask, God, save me. Make me new. Give me a new life. Give me the purpose that You want for my life. Use me for Your kingdom. Forgive me of my sin. God, I pray, Lord, that that would be our response when we're confronted with the reminder that we're sinners instead of the uh, wanting to run away, the wanting Jesus to run away from us, God, help us, Lord, to turn to You, knowing, Lord, that You love us, that You care for us, and You do want to give us Your grace. You do want to give us Your mercy. God, thank You for those things. God, help us as Your sons and daughters, as Your family. God, help us to be fishers of men. Help us to begin to look at life with the lens of what it looks like to see people in need of You, in need of Your grace, in need of Your mercy, in need of a Savior. God, use us in their lives and do so for Your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name.